guys. Boom. Doing works. I'm here for the winter. So nice to be back. Um, had a, it was a great time in uh, Beijing a couple of weeks ago. It was really cool. I uh, visited Jenna, my wife. For those of you who don't know, Jenna, my wife's uh, part of Chicago, the musical, and they're busy touring China, so I got to go visit her and um, see Beijing. Crazy city. Um, and uh, while I was there, I had an amazing opportunity. A friend of mine who I met um, in the middle of the year, she's Russian. Um, and she's been living in Beijing for 13 years. She got saved in China and uh, part of an amazing church there. So she asked me if I would do a prophetic school two nights, a prophetic um, school with the guys. So they've got their church is called Beijing International Christian Fellowship. It's actually 16, there's 16 churches, about 5,000 people in total um, of all international people living in Beijing. And um, it was just an amazing opportunity to, um, to just see God do some amazing stuff in the prophetic. And um, just, just to say that um, you don't know what you have until you go somewhere else. You actually don't realize what you've got until you go somewhere else. And I was just telling the guys how we like to make it a habit in our church to pray for newcomers and prophesy for new people. This is about a group of like 40 people who were doing two, two nights prophetic stuff. And as I said that, everyone was like, <gasps> and I was like, yo, that's a, that's a culture we have in our church, just to prophesy to people and to just reveal the heart of God to them. And they were, they were blown, there were some people who were blown away by that. And I realized that there's something of the prophetic heart of God that He's placed within us that's actually part of our DNA and, our, and who we are as a people. And... Um, it's, uh, I believe it's part of, the, part of the gift that we are to the city. And I really, be, I really believe that God wants to, to blow on that. And He really wants to use us as a, to, to, build a, to build a culture where the prophetic can be normal, naturally supernatural. Um, does that make sense? And um, yeah, there were just some amazing moments. I just want to share one or two. So we, we prayed for healing the one night. And... Um, uh, I felt like there was someone who was waiting for test results. And uh, the one lady said, yeah, she had a really good friend who wasn't there who was expecting test results. And um, after the meeting that night, my friend, my Russian friend, Nastia, sent me a screenshot that was sent at 9.38 p.m., which I figured out must have been almost exactly the same time we were praying. So we decided to pray for her friend. And, and she said, she sent her message at the same time and said, the results from my doctor, last time only 25% was gone after chemo. Now almost 85 to 95% gone. Amazing. So like in an instant, God just did a, a miraculous healing. And um, it was just so beautiful to see just some of the, like when the prophetic comes and it just releases the heart of God, there's something that it just unlocks people to connect with the love and the kindness of God. Um, I, had a, I had a picture of... Um, like I saw this red lounge suite and like this glass coffee table and I was just I just shared it as a word of knowledge saying I feel like this might make sense to someone. And there was a, a lady sitting just on the left and she said, That's my lounge. So I just I just began to um, 
to speak the word of God to her and just gave her a prophetic word. And it's just amazing. She's just sitting there like weeping and just afterwards she said, the first thing you said to me in your word was, God knows you. And sometimes it's like the simplest, most obvious things that we say. We just think, oh, we just like, we just like speaking words of truth over people. But sometimes it's those words that God uses to actually unlock someone's heart. Um, so it's just incredible to see. There was, an old, there was an older couple there that only came on a Sunday night and they had a little baby. And um, they were like in and out and in the passage. And, and right at the end of the evening, I just I prayed for them. And, um, I gave them a few words, but um, the one thing I said is I saw them as like a father and mother and many people and just creating family. And then just started to pray for their little baby and just said, your baby's like Isaac. And they're like, oh, that's his name. And it's just like this amazing moment. And, just speaking, saying, and just saying, like, your, your son is a miracle and God's going to do this stuff in his life. And afterwards, they were just sharing how that word was so profound for them because they both come from really broken families. And even in deciding to, to get married, they were, like, wrestling through, you know, can we create a new path to become father, like a father and mother to many people? And God just, like, reminded them of who they are. And um, then they told this incredible story of when she was pregnant, she looked about 32, but she said she was 42. It's like the Asian blessing. And uh, she said when she was pregnant, uh, they went to two specialists, one the best doctor in Beijing and one in LA. And both doctors said that their, their son had a 99% chance of either being born severely disformed or Down syndrome or with a lot of issues. And both of those specialists encouraged them to like, not go through with the pregnancy. And they just felt like God was in it. And um, just they just shared how their son is a miracle. And just some of the stuff that God had said to them about the destiny of his life just blew them away. So it was just such an encouraging time. So yeah, I just wanted to share that guy, with you guys to just raise your level of faith. Because we all carry something in God that the world needs. We're a, we're a resource people. And... Um, I really believe that what God wants to do in us is just to, like, the, the, the phrase I've had in my, in my heart the whole week is, Jesus is not a part of your life. He is your life. Jesus is not a part of your life. He's not like an add-on. He's not, a, um, he's not an extra into our life. He is our life. And I, I really feel like what God is calling us into He's inviting us to live an astonished life. He's inviting us to live a life of wonder. And you know, it's so interesting when you travel the world and you just see different cultures and different way things are done. It's just a, such a sense that like in the, even in the East, like there's such a consumeristic culture. And that we just get, we can get so caught up in the things in our life when He's calling us to get caught up in Him. Because he is our life. You know, Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life when I live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I like the way the Passion says, he says, My old identity has been co-crucified with the Messiah and no longer lives. For the nails of his cross crucified me with him, and now the essence of this new life is no longer mine. For the anointed one lives his life through me. We live in union as one. 
My new life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God, who loves me so much that He gave Himself for me, and He dispenses His life into mine. There's something about a, a union in God that we've been invited to live this life of this beautiful union. Atonement is at one. We are one with God. We've been made one. Jesus is not a part of our life. He is our life. And I feel like there's a... The other sense of God is just like... There's something so powerful... About the name of Jesus. There's something so powerful... About the name of Jesus. And I feel like... Sometimes we can get so familiar... With Jesus and singing His name, saying His name, talking about Him, that we just lose the sense of wonder and awe of who He is, and the sense of power and the sense of the reality of what He's done in our lives. He's not just made us nice people, He's taken us from darkness and He's transformed us into the kingdom of His wonderful light. He hasn't just like dealt with some of your issues that you had as a child or now you know that you love and you accept it and you can live this life. He's actually put His Spirit in you. It's no longer you who live, but it's Christ living in you. We are the dwelling place for God. And I love what Psalm 46 verse 4 says. Um, talks about us being the very dwelling place of, of, of Him. It says, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the most high dwells. So David's writing this about like the streams of water and you know, making glad the place where the most high dwells. But now we are the very dwelling place of, who he, of, of, of Him. And Jesus said, Streams of living water will rush out from within you. We are the dwelling place of who He is. He, he's inviting us to a place of living from the... I just feel like there's a river of refreshing for us this morning. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God. They make glad the holy place where He dwells. You are the holy place where He dwells. It's amazing. We went to this... Uh, ancient uh, tourist uh, spot in Beijing, the Temple of Heaven. Beautiful um, ancient temple in these amazing gardens. And it's just so amazing that, just thinking about it, we now are walking temples of heaven. You are a temple of heaven. You are a dwelling place for the Most High. And there's something about living from a place of just being overwhelmed by the fact that He is our life. You know, we don't just we don't just live where like we fit God into part of our life. It's like our life becomes part of His life. And I feel sometimes that we can live just we've got our things, we've got our jobs, we've got our stuff, and like God can just become part of it. He's the Wednesday nights, the Sunday nights, you know. We've got our life figured out. We know where we're going to be in two years or five years. And like, God, cool, tracking with me. Thank you for your blessings. But there's a sense of actually, no. He is all of our life. And He's inviting us that everything that we have 
we just surrender to Him. And He becomes the very thing that we live for. And I, I really just feel that God is bringing us back to a place of one thing. Like it's just been something that's like been echoing in my heart. And like just been listening to some stuff this week. And every time it's a show, it's like this one thing. There's one thing you call to. Just live for one thing. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1.17, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross be emptied of its power. And I feel like sometimes we can live a life where we just, we just regard the power of the cross. And it's not a heavy thing. But there's, a, there's something about what happened on the cross and what happened with us being made and placed in Jesus, us being seated in, in Him at the right hand of God. That there's a power on the cross and He's inviting us to, to live into that. So I want us just to read together 1 Corinthians 1, 17 through to the end of uh, chapter 2. 1 Corinthians 2. So if you've got your Bible... Yeah, Lord, I just thank you for your word. Thank you for the invitation that you put before us this morning. I pray, Father, that you would do something in our hearts that would cause our hearts to burn for you afresh. That you would just um, arrest our hearts, Lord. Corinthians 1.17 For Christ did not send me to baptize but to preach the gospel not with words of human wisdom lest the cross be emptied of its power. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where's the wise man? Where's the scholar? Where's the philosopher of this age? Has not God made the foolishness, has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. God is pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand miraculous signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. Such beautiful truths. Eh? Brothers and sisters, think of what, you were, of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many of you were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, or frustrate the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things, and the things that are not, to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before Him. It is because of Him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him be boast, boast in the Lord. It's nice to read like big passages of Scripture. So I'm just going to continue with chapter 2. 
it like paints the narrative of what Paul's saying. When I came to you, brothers and sisters, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not both with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. So that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. And I love this part. It says, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. But God has revealed it to us by the Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit of who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit, for they are foolishness to him, and he can't understand them, because they are spiritually discerned. But the, the spiritual man makes judgments about all things. But he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. It's an incredible passage of Scripture. It's like, there's so much in there. And I just feel there's something of um, just the foolishness of the gospel that God is calling us to embrace again. Because there's the wisdom of the gospel is foolishness to the world. But the foolishness of God is wisdom in the Spirit. Are you guys, are you guys with me? Do you guys need to stand up and stretch? So I'm just going to put out a few points from this because I really believe that God is just inviting us to live for one thing and just to live from a place of being rooted in the wisdom, the true wisdom of the Gospel, where we leave the mindset that God is part of our life and we embrace the reality and the truth that He is our life. And I love how he starts. He said, Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of human wisdom, let the cross be emptied of its power. That can also be translated, translated stripped of all philosophical arguments that empty the cross of its power. It's a beautiful translation. And it reminds me of what, what Timothy writes in 2 Timothy chapter 3. And these words are like so profound if you think about the way that we live today. 2 Timothy 3. But mark this, there, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will, will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive. Just like think to you if it describes anything about our world today. Lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, 
having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And there's something when he talks about let the cross, let the cross be emptied of its power. There's like you can embrace a form of godliness that loses its power. We can embrace like a form of a form of life where there is like a spiritual aspect to it, but we lose the power of the cross to transform. And this is Timothy speaking. This is Paul writing in one Corinthians, a guy who is like. His one mission in life was to destroy the church. And when the gospel came, it literally changed his life. He was in like the desert for a few years. He was in the wilderness and he came. And his whole life got transformed and turned around. The power of the gospel for the world today, the world where people are lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, unholy, is that we go in and we bring the truth of what God has done in our life. And it brings transformation. It brings change. It brings power. It brings love. It brings light. It brings hope. It brings truth. That's the, that's the power of the gospel that we walk in. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting men's sins against them. We don't have to go out and count people's sins against them to rack up a list of what they've done wrong. But God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. God is in us. We are in Christ. Christ is in us. We should be the ones reconciling the world to God because we've been reconciled to him. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation. Because we've been brought near. Like Isha said last week, there's no distance between us and God. The power of the gospel is that God has pursued you and He's made a way for you. And He's created you to be part of a beautiful life where you pursue others and you call them into a place of reconciliation. You become the reconciliation of God for others. Someone give me an amen. I was watching some TD Jakes the other day. Yes, there are people standing, clapping, throwing Bibles. It's amazing. And he continues, he says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. It can actually be translated, For those of us who are being saved, He is the power of God. He is the power of God. The message of the cross is Christ who came and emptied Himself, not counting equality with God, something to be grasped, emptied himself, became nothing, became a servant, became obedient to death on a cross. That's, the, that's foolishness to the world. In the world that we live in, wisdom is self-importance, self-achievement, self-reliance. And in God, the very thing that is disregarded by the world is the very thing that unlocked the power of the cross. He embraced emptiness. He emptied himself. He considered himself nothing. The message of the cross becomes the ignition point. This is what one of the commentators says. The message of the cross becomes the ignition point where God's power becomes operative and actualized with the ability to convert, transform, and save. You see, the problem sometimes with the world we live in is we've got so many um, resources at our disposal that we can often just invite people into a, hey, let's just move you up from a bit of poverty into a, a, you know, into a bit of maybe a bit more wealth or maybe move you from less education to more education. Get your stuff sorted out. You know, have some nice tools to live with and then let's move on. And there's nothing wrong with those things and God has given us wisdom and God has given us and invited us into abundant life. But there's something about realizing that the power of the gospel is the only thing that can transform a human heart. That the power of the gospel is the only thing that reaches in and takes us from darkness into light. It is the foolishness 
of the cross to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. To us who are being transformed from glory to glory. And when you actually get to grips with your life, and I know for me and some of us, when you start to confront some of the things in your life, and you realize God's taking me from glory to glory, and He's dealing with that aspect in my life, you realize actually I've got no power. I've got no ability in my own strength to, to deal with that thing. I've got no ability in my own strength to like overcome that. Because he's invited me of a place where he becomes my life. I surrender to the truth of who he is. He empowers me. And I give myself and I surrender myself and I say, God, you've called me a saint, not a sinner. So I thank you for who I am. But I also embrace the fact that I'm totally reliant on the power of the spirit of my life. So that's what Paul's saying. One of the commentators said, Christ is the supreme manifestation of God's power to save us from sin, to work miracles, to defeat evil. Christ is the supreme manifestation of wisdom, for He carries out the eternal plan of God and brings it to completion. So what happens is, Paul says, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us it is the power of God. And then he goes on these verses saying, where's the wise man, where's the scholar, the the philosopher of this age? For since in the wisdom of God, the world, through its wisdom, did not know Him. The wisdom of this world can never lead people into an encounter with God. For since in the wisdom of God, the world, through its wisdom, did not know Him. The wisdom of God leads people to a place of knowing Him. It's not about how much you know, it's about who you know. And the power of the gospel is leading people into an encounter with Him. You are the temple of heaven. You are a place of encounter for others. Makes sense. So he says, and then he goes on, he says something interesting. He says, Jews demand miraculous signs and the Greeks look for wisdom. So the, the Jews wanted to see these signs and like they, the Jews, like their heritage was the Jews came out of Egypt so it was like miracle, miracle, miracle. Their whole, like the whole story of the, the Israelite people was just like story after story after story of God's intervention. So the, the, the Jews wanted to see the miracles as the proof. And the Greeks wanted the wisdom because they prize wisdom. And what Paul's saying is that it's not about, don't, it's not about the, the miracles or the wisdom. And he says in verse 25, but to those who God has called, Christ is the power of God, and He is the wisdom of God. So Christ em- embodies both things. So we don't have to look for miracles or look for some profound wisdom. But in Christ, we find both. Christ is the supreme manifestation of God's power to save us from sin. And He is the supreme manifestation of wisdom to bring people into God's eternal plan. This is another translation. Although the cross seems to be the foolishness of God, it reveals His transcendent wisdom. And though God the Son was crucified in weakness, He has risen through the divine power that transforms life today. God has no weakness or foolishness whatsoever. Yet what looks like weakness is actually His strength. And what looks like foolishness is actually His wisdom. So beautiful. And what the world needs today is people who can embrace weakness as a sign of strength. When we are weak, He is strong. 
and you can embrace foolishness, what, what the world sees as foolishness, because actually that's wisdom. Coming into a situation and saying, I'm not here to be served, but to serve. That's foolishness to the world. The world we live in is like, to get your place, get yourself to a place where people will serve your vision. What about us being people who would go into places and serve other people's vision? Or we'd serve the call of God on our life by serving other people and by being the very manifestation of Christ to the world. And he says, brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of us were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many of were noble birth. God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. What he's almost saying is like, he chose you in your weakness and in your inability to reveal to the world the power and the wisdom and the genius of God. Like, we don't have anything to offer the world in and of ourselves. Maybe some of you guys are like really, um, you know, you've got incredible intellect and skills that you can have an impact. But what he's saying is that when we realize that actually the very power of the transformation of the gospel is what God has done in our life, what he's placed in our life, who he's called us to be, who he's called us to live it out. God's not a part of your life. He is your life. He's invited you to enjoy the divine communion with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And to invite people into that union. Preferring one another. So that, verse 29, so that no one may boast before Him. It is because of Him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. And I love this. It says, Jesus himself has become for us wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Jesus himself is our wisdom. If you want to live in true wisdom, it looks like Jesus. It really does. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And it says, He's become our wisdom, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption, or our righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Wisdom in God looks like three things righteousness, Holiness, redemption. For us in the world, sometimes wisdom's like, I've got to have everything figured out. I've got to like have this understanding of the way the world works. And what Paul's saying is, no, wisdom looks like the effect it takes in your life. It actually looks like righteousness. If you want to see someone living in wisdom, it looks like righteousness. We've been made right with God. The wisdom of God is that you are no longer an enemy with God. You're no longer at enmity with Him. But you've been made right with God. That's wisdom. Wisdom is holiness or sanctification or purity. Wisdom is being made. So we, we are made right. We're righteous, but we're also being made right. We're also being sanctified. We're also being made holy. Wisdom looks like purity. You want to be wise, walk in purity. You want to be wise, walk in humility. There's a humility that breaks the wisdom of this world that seeks to boast in human accomplishment and human efforts. For some of us, it's just about embracing humility. And humility is not recognizing who you aren't, but it's actually recognizing who you are. Humility is recognizing this is who God's made me to be, and I'm going to walk that out. And I realize that it's not because of me, but it's because of Christ in me, the hope of glory. 
Christ in you is the hope of glory. You carry the hope of glory for the world as Christ in you. And the third thing about the wisdom is redemption. The wisdom looks like redemption. If you want to bring wisdom into a situation, bring redemption into that situation. Every situation that Jesus went into, he went into with a redemptive solution. He went into that situation, he transformed it, and he brought redemption. He transformed it and he brought people into a place of hope and life. And wisdom for us looks like going into situations and being the redemptive plan of God into that situation. And that's realizing we don't carry a wisdom or a strategy to come into that situation and change it. But we come in there with Christ in us, the hope of glory. And we say, I know that I carry within me the life of Christ. I carry within me the hope of Christ. I carry within me the truth of who God is. And when God comes into a situation, when Christ in me comes into a situation, He brings a redemptive solution. Wisdom looks like us becoming redemption to the world around us. Wisdom is less about being right than about putting things to right. N.T. Wright says that the, the definition of righteousness or, or justice, we talk a lot about justice, social justice. In the, in, the, in the Bible, the words justice and righteousness are actually like interchangeable. And he says the simplest definition, he's a, he's a really world-renowned theologian, the simplest definition is putting the world to right. Wisdom is less about being right than about putting the world to right. Reconciling the world back to God. That's the power of the gospel. So what he's saying is, it looks like foolishness to the world, but when you come into a situation and you actually realize the power of the cross, it brings a redemptive solution. It brings a redemptive um, reality that the wisdom of this world could never bring. Because the wisdom of the world is more concerned about being right and about how you're being seen than actually about putting the world to right and not caring how you are seen and how you look at it. So and then he carries on. He says, let those who boast, boast in the Lord. And he, and he says, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness. Paul had this incredible testimony and he said, you know, when I look at my life and when I consider what God has done, I resolve to know nothing except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Because everything else, as he says in another passage in the New Testament, everything else I consider rubbish. But to know Him and to be taken hold of Him, that, that I may take hold of that for which He's taken hold of me. There's a wisdom that we actually can't boast in ourselves because we realize it's all of Him. And all we need to know is to resolve to know one thing, Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Then he says, My message and preaching were not with wise or persuasive words, but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power. And there's something about living a life of wisdom where we come into situations with the demonstration of the Spirit's power. Because we can come and we can have all these ideas and all these ways of doing things and tools and we can have experience and sometimes it just takes a demonstration of the Spirit's power to unlock a situation and to, predict, to bring the redemptive plan of God for that situation. You know, he talks about you can have a form of godliness that lacks power. And he's invited us, as I said, to the streams of living water to flow from within you. And I think sometimes we dial back on the fact that we actually carry 
the reality of a demonstration of the Spirit's power in our life. Because for some reason we see certain parts of our life as sacred and other parts of our life as secular. And God can use me to bring a word and to demonstrate His power in, in, in the four walls of the church or in a soldier meeting. But when I'm sitting in a board, boardroom meeting or I'm standing in front of a, a class full of people or I'm busy writing up a policy, then I can't have a demonstration of the, of the Spirit's power. But that's exactly where you should be seeking a demonstration of the Spirit's power. And it might not look like the manifestation that we think because of our, our experience in church circles. But the wisdom of God is seen in a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Why? So that your faith might not rest on man's wisdom but on God's power. And we can all say that there's been moments in our life where the faith... The, our ability to put our faith in God and trust in God is because His powers, we, we, we have monuments in our life of where His powers come in and change our hearts, change our minds. We can, you know, you can have these philosophical discussions and all these debates and whatever and go through theology and change the way you think. But if you look back in your life, the things that have defined how you live your life are those moments of the demonstration of the power of God in your life. So that our faith doesn't rest on man's wisdom. Because if you change your mind, then you're like, oh, okay, well then, if I, was just, if I just made up my mind because of an argument, if I change my mind, then okay, well, then I'll just walk away from my faith. But we have a knowledge, we have a deep knowing of the experience of an encounter with God. And then he goes on to say, we don't speak a message of wisdom. Um, we speak a, a wisdom of God. And then he... he, he quotes this verse from Isaiah, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived, but God has prepared for those who love it. But God has revealed it to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. So what he's saying is that we've been invited now into the mind of Christ. We have access to the intimate thoughts of the Father. No one, he says, no one knows the mind of a man except the man himself and the man's spirit within him. I don't actually truly know what you're thinking. You can tell me something, but the only person who really knows what you're thinking is your spirit within you. And then he says, the spirit searches the mind of God, even the deep things of God. And then he continues and concludes, we have the mind of Christ. So the spirit of God within us, living within us, reveals to us the intimate thoughts of God concerning our own lives and concerning the lives of others. He's reshaping the way we think. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. And I feel like that's a really, it's a really important aspect of this passage, that we may understand what God has freely given us. Because I feel for some of us, it's, it's time to take God and His word. I'll say that again. It's time to take God at His word. You guys, we've got promises of God over our lives. He places desires in our hearts. You actually should be living for something bigger than yourself. And for some of us, we've forgotten to, under to understand or we've misunderstood what God has freely given us. And he's saying, I want you to understand what I've freely given you. Because when you understand the power of the gospel that you live in and walk in, then you'll see the world transformed by a demonstration of His power. He's placed desires in your heart. God wants to give you your own victories. He's called us to be a light among men and women. He's called us to be salt of the earth. Salt of the earth, eh? 
that guy is salt on the earth. He's called us to be salt and light where we are, to demonstrate, to be the illumination of God, to illuminate people's minds and hearts to who God is. That's who He's called us to be. says we haven't received the spirit of the world. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and a sound mind. And this is what Romans 8 says. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. To set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. When we understand that we're called to live by the spirit, we become carriers of life and peace to every situation. And there's something about just setting your mind on the spirit that brings life and peace to your life. He wants to bring life to every area that the enemy wants to bring death. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. Imagine what it would look like to live, to really live like you had the mind of Christ. You had the thought patterns of Jesus. You had the wisdom of Jesus. And the invitation to us is to set your minds on the things of the Spirit. Because they produce life and peace. And I want to end with this from Galatians 5. It says... Galatians 5.16, this is the invitation. So I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. And then he goes on to describe the acts of the sinful nature. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. These are the aspects of the mind of Christ. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And then he says, those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the sinful nature with passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Maybe you can just uh, close your eyes where you are. I want to declare that over us. If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. The fruits of the Spirit is love. It's joy. The fruit of the Spirit is peace and patience. The fruit of the Spirit in your life today is kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. He's inviting you into a life of gentleness and self-control. Because against such things there is no law. There's no law. For those who belong to Jesus have crucified the sinful desires with its passion and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Father, I thank you for the invitation this morning to embrace the power of the cross, the wisdom of the cross. 
Thank you, Lord, that there's a river, there's a rushing river available for us today whose streams make glad the city of God, the very dwelling place of the Most High. Thank you, Lord, that your river is here to bring refreshing and life. And I feel like there's just a move of His Spirit to bring the refreshing over us this morning. I just feel like um, God wants to help us now in a moment where um, we've let unbelief in His redemptive power come into our lives. I feel like when Dave brought that up earlier, it was just so strong. There's places, there's people, there's situations in our lives where we if, we, if we're honest, we truly believe that they are beyond His redemption. And that's unbelief. And, and I feel like we just need to acknowledge that, that is, that's what we believe. And it's, and it's unbelief. Because nothing is beyond His redemptive power. No situation, no people, no amount of hopelessness or repetitive... Um, repetitive brokenness is beyond the redemptive power of the Father. So I felt like God just wanted to do something like really special today around that for us. And I just want to ask you to just to stand or raise your hands or do something, acknowledge your unbelief and, and allow Him to um, to break in with His redemptive power. So when you do that, I'm going to pray. I think there's a few people specifically. Just stand and just do something that acknowledges your position. Father, we thank you for what you're doing here. And we we acknowledge the the people, the places, the scenarios, the situations where through time we've chosen to to believe that these are beyond your, your redemption. These people are beyond your saving. These situations are beyond hope. And I thank you, Father, that you are you're making us aware of that now. Because nothing and no one is beyond your redemption. So, right now, we, we choose to have our minds renewed. Yes, sir. We choose to have our minds renewed in, in you. By your spirit. Right now we just we speak into those situations, into those people's lives, yeah. into the circumstances that are that have seemed like way beyond hope, way beyond help. Yeah, we speak your hope, Jesus. Speak specifically for loved ones, for family, for people yes. that are close. That, that feel like they are just, they're beyond. They've gone too far and they're beyond hope. I declare over, over those people the redemptive power of Jesus. Salvation. The power of the cross. The power of His resurrection. As we sang earlier, the stone is, is rolled away. His resurrection power is, is enough. It's more than enough. Speak specifically over those people. You can name them. 
circumstances that haven't changed, where hope has become just just too far, too far away. Things where we've seen repetition and slowly the, the degradation of hope. We acknowledge you, Father, as, as your hope itself. In you we find hope. Yeah. And as David has been saying, you are life. Life itself, the very form of life is you. So we speak that into these circumstances, into these places where we've chosen to believe in hopelessness. We speak your life right now. We speak your life over the, the places that seem dead. We declare that nothing and no one is beyond your redemption. No one is beyond your saving. The yeah. life of Christ. Yeah. Yes. Honor your life. Honor your life. Yeah. Thank you that right now you're busy. You're just busy showing us. You're reminding us again that nothing and no one is beyond the life of Christ. As you do that, I, I just see hope beginning to rise in yeah. our hearts, our minds, and our eyes start to see things differently again. Yeah. We, we start to see again with eyes of hope. Yeah. yeah. We start to um, change our minds. And the Spirit is doing that. He's changing our minds about how we see things, how we approach things. Yeah. He's inviting us to come and to, to serve the situations that need hope. Serve the people that need hope. To love the people that need love. Yeah. And to see change come. Yeah. I just see like the people um, that have, those of you that have felt the most hopeless about things are going to become, um, are going to see the most change. Yeah. As he turns it around. Yeah. It's like he turns the, the, the most hopeless circumstances into the places where we see the most change. Yeah. Yeah, as Luke was praying, I just saw like this picture of this, I don't I just remember like an old uh, National Geographic movie and picture of this river just bursting forth in the desert and um, when there's these flash floods in the desert you just have these incredible rivers that rush through and they do a time lapse and just begin to see plants growing and I just saw the spirit just rushing through hearts this morning and yeah I feel like he's um, breaking down walls of resistance it's like the walls can't stand. It's not like he has to come with the hammer and remove the bricks. It's just like his rushing river comes and it breaks down the wall. And I felt like it's even like that wind and that rushing river of the Spirit is clearing away cobwebs for some of us in our mind. When I'm speaking about wisdom, for some of us, God is giving us wisdom for our situations. And he's clearing away cobwebs. He's clearing away the clutter and the, where the lines have been blurred. 
where we've listened to the voices that we shouldn't have been listening to. He's rolling away the stone. And I feel like he's bringing these times of refreshing. And the verse that came to mind was Jeremiah 2, 13. My people have committed two sins. They've forsaken me, the spring of living water. And they've dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. And for some of us, it's just about like we've, we've walked away from the well of first love. And it's like he's bringing us back to that place of first love. You're the dwelling place of the Most High. The streams that flow are the streams that make glad the dwelling place of the Most High. You are that dwelling place. The river of God within you brings joy within you. But not only for yourself, because you're becoming a spring and a stream for other people to drink from. And for some of us, it's we've just dug our own systems. Or we've sought to get our life from broken systems that don't hold water. And it's like he's saying, I'm actually closing up those broken places and I'm opening up the wells of life I'm opening up the wells of life so that's you just put out your hands and all I want to do is I just want to declare the name of Jesus thank you that there's power in your name Jesus we just speak the name of Jesus right now to unlock life hope. I speak the redemptive plan of Christ over your life right now. I release the redemptive plan of hope and a future over your life right now. I release the vision for redemption over your life. I release the vision for being an illumination to the beauty and the power and the depth of Jesus over your life.
it's quite amazing because it's contrary to how we would expect it to happen. You know, after this devastation of fire, you'd actually have an amazing amount of growth and rich richness in the soil. And uh, I suppose it's thousands of years, could be millions, I don't know, there's this body of time. And um, it was quite powerful and I feel like there's something in, in that small picture for us just to just to acknowledge in our own lives and say there's, there's hard stuff and, and then there's the fruit that comes at this time. And faith is that time in between yes. to hold that space and to say I'm choosing you, I'm choosing your redemptive power in my life. And um, I think there's so much beauty in being able to do that and to be able to hold that space. It's really beautiful yeah. because it, it's, it almost, it's like it doesn't count on the other side, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like too easy and uh, to hold that space in between is, is, is where the real beauty is. So I want to encourage you, I want to stir your faith and I also want to say that um, this is an opportunity to allow God to, to break into wrong thinking yeah. because it's just wrong thinking, it's, it's, it's not reality at all, it's just wrong thinking, so it's quite easy. Just to say, okay, God, this, I can see I'm thinking wrong about this thing. Um, come and change that now. So I just want to encourage you. Let's carry on taking some yeah. time to pray. Just come, come up front here. We can pray together. But don't lose the opportunity to um, allow the Holy Spirit to correct your thinking. Yeah. So good. It's good. It's good. Well done. I feel like you want to minister to a few people. We. Felicity, it's your last Sunday, so we want to send you with a blessing, so um, it'd be awesome if a few people can gather around Felicity and just pray and just release promises of God and the truth of God over your life. It's like, being, it's like a heart ache to say goodbye. Jeez. Um, yeah, I just, um, Patricia, I really just felt like... Um, God has just got you where He wants you to be. And uh, there's like a redemptive story over your life. And um, you're, called to, you're called to lead many people into that story of redemption. Um, to live a life that causes other people to wonder. And um, feel like part of the calling of your life is just to be that person who lives fascinated by who God is and then you're going to catch other people up into the very fascination of God over their life um, and you are yeah I just see you carrying like these two buckets of, of water and I just feel like you're, uh, you're a carrier of hope it's almost like you've got situations and the reason I see these buckets of water is like you've got these situations like I've got this water, I've got this I've got carrying things for people and I've, like God's called me to like carry hope over their lives but it's like it's like weighing me down but I've got to like I've got to take the water to the people who are thirsty and I just feel like God just comes along and he runs alongside you and like he just embraces you and the buckets fall he says you don't have to carry the buckets because you've got the river inside of you. And I feel like the people in the situations you've been carrying hope for, God is just breathing. Right now I just see like God's breathing a voice of hope over your life. 
And I feel like he's restoring the joy that's been lost in this last season because you've had to walk through a number of really difficult things. And I just see like, I see these relationships around you and it's like you turn and every relationship you turn to, it's like, like the door's closed and then you turn to the next and it's like shut down. And I just see like, the Father just tapping you on the shoulder and you turn the other way and He just embraces you. And all the disappointments and the broken trust just begins to fall away. He's so proud of you, man. It's like He's so proud of you. Every morning when you wake up and you just say, God, I don't know how it's going to work out. It's just like He just wants you to know that He's so proud of you that you just are continuing. You're not giving up. And I feel like He's just saying, well done. Well done. I just want to honor you, my faithful daughter, this morning because you haven't looked to the right, you haven't looked to the left but you look straight ahead and just see like the life of heaven over you. So oh, I just feel like God's just releasing. He's releasing that tension and that pressure. And you really are going to know that the joy of the Lord is a strength in this season.
feel like it's uh, that, that, that breeze that's blowing. It's like, uh, it's that, uh, I just see a picture of your heart. I feel like it's just like, God is just, uh, it's bringing healing and refreshing to your heart. And uh, areas where it just feels like, you know, like, like, just feel the word like heartbroken in a sense. Um, and I don't know if that's specific relationships or circumstances, but I feel like it's just been a sense of like this heartache that you've walked with in the last season. Um, and it's like you've carried these things in your hearts, and it's like the Father says, He just, he just wants to come and bring times of refreshing and healing. His, um, his love, I just see like his love, like pouring over you right now, just like this liquid, like love, as he begins to just minister to you. It's like he's saying, like, as you as you delight yourself in Him, He's going to give you the desires of your heart. And I feel like sometimes when we go through seasons of like brokenheartedness, like we can lose the desires of our heart. It just feels like we lose that element of delight. But I feel like He's showing you this delight in Him and He's inviting you into a place of delighting yourself in Him. And it's like He's going to give you the desires of your heart. He's going to unlock in you just the, the space to walk out the desires of your own heart. And I get a sense sometimes that you, you always carry the desires and the dreams of other people's hearts. Sometimes, like, sometimes it can be easy for us to put, a, put aside the desires and dreams of our own hearts. I feel like God's saying it's, it's time for you to focus on the dreams and desires of your heart because it's not a selfish thing. It's not a selfish thing, because He's placed desires within you to be that redemptive man, to carry life and hope to other people. And it's almost if the enemy has broken hearts or heartache, the thing is, just try to steal what's not yours. I just see what God's doing is He's restoring. He's going to restore to you. I feel like it's going to happen even in like the next three to six months it's going to be like signs from God of things being restored to you. Even if, even, it could even be like physical things or things that have been stolen or lost that like you're going to find and be like, like oh, this is amazing. Just as a sign because God, I feel like God's bringing us to see like restoration. And it's like He's not just restoring like walls that have been broken down but He's actually He's like restoring and renovating. He's improving at the same time. Um, and He's inviting you just to this place of being a resource for other people. Because, yeah, I just feel like you have such a, a heart of compassion for people and such a heart that carries other people. And um, He's called you to, to love on Him. But first, this your season of Him is loving on you. So, bless you. you guys. If you want to keep this, or if you want to go and just bless Felicity as she leaves, and she's leaving this week, leaving this day.
fear of seeing God, just enjoy it. I feel like I believe in bringing God's doing a deep work. There's no need to rush on from that.